Hey, engine professionals, machinists, and enthusiasts, welcome to the Engine Professional Podcast. ERA Engine Professional Podcast. My name is Steve Fox, and I'm here with my co-host, Chuck Clinch. Hi, Chuck. How's things going today? Not too bad. Nice, dreary, rainy day here in the winter in southern Indiana. Yeah, well, the winters in Chicago, you know what that brings. That brings some cold and some snow. So uh, we got some snow coming down, but hopefully we'll be into the warm weather soon. If we can make it through February, that's usually when things turn uh, to the best. So we're just hoping to get through the month of February and uh, things will be looking good. I hear that. A couple things before we get started on our topic here. Uh, we do have a webinar coming up Thursday, February 11th at noon central time. And that'll be presented by Lake Speed Jr. of Total Seal Piston Rings. Lake is going to talk about putting the profilometer to work. Lake will talk about real-world and hands-on examples of utilizing this powerful measuring tool, and we'll also go over everything you need to know about a profilometer. Pretty important in our industry, huh, Chuck? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Lake's going to really hit on the numbers for cylinder bore finish, and, and we talk about that often on the tech line and presentations, webinars, whatever outreach we can use, but... You know, you today you look at sprayed-in cylinders. You have traditional cast iron, uh, ductile iron blocks, and then we have diamond, CBN, vitrified, a lot of stuff. So those are all factors, and uh, you need to be able to measure and see where you're really at. Knowing that surface finish in today's engines is really important. Very. All right. So another milestone that we want to. Uh, mentioned here today is the fact that Prosus Pro has eclipsed 11,000 engines. Uh, I think we're more in the neighborhood of 11,070 now, but 11,070 engines, uh, anything from Acura to Zader, uh, Great Wall, uh, you think of it. There's some pretty interesting stuff out there today. Anything from agricultural, industrial, stationary power, uh, we're around 50% diesel, believe it or not now. So uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, and for those listeners that may not know, Process Pro is our specification software where we keep a lot of engine specs uh, for those 11,000 engines. Just kind of let that sink in, 11,000 engines. Who would have thunk? Right, and that's that's families. That doesn't, it, it breaks down even further. Just, you know, there's individual variants of, those that are cataloged it's huge a lot of engines out there a lot of engines out there uh, and we get requests uh, on the tech line of new engines every day every day we're looking for something uh, trying to find a service manual here or there or whatever for engines that quite frankly i've never heard of chuck's probably never heard of uh, as well as some of our other techs but that's what we're here for is to find that information and get that added to process pro 
Speaking of Process Pro, Chuck, uh, one of the things we're talking about is a tech bulletin that we uh, started here a couple episodes back that we like to talk about. And this tech bulletin will actually lead into our topic today. Uh, tell us a little bit about that bulletin, Chuck. All right, that tech bulletin is number 2997-2997, the proper use and installation of torque to yield head bolts. Uh, torque to yield bolts is such a common discussion these days. Uh, so this is a document to explain somewhat identification, uh, application, some of the protocol you should use, uh, reuse topics, things of that nature. Again, we're going to expand on that today. But for those who use Process Pro, you can access this in your bulletin search, TB2977. If you are a member and you use the tech line uh, in lieu of Process Pro, then you can give us a shout and we can email it, fax it, Tie it to a carrier pigeon. We'll get it to you in some way, shape, or form. Good deal. Yeah, that that bulletin is full of a lot of information. Like Chuck said, we're going to talk a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit about that today uh, in this episode, uh, which is understanding fasteners in today's engines. And to help us do that, <clears throat> we have uh, what we'll call an industry expert online with us today, and that's our AERA tech here, Brian Roberts. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on, because uh, this is a topic that most engine builders face today is really understanding those torque to yield versus torque to angle bolts. Uh, but before we get into that topic, why don't you give us a little history about yourself? Sure. Um, been in the industry for about 25 years or so. Uh, majority of that being with gasket manufacturers, doing gasket and seal designs, manufacturing, all kinds of different uh, jobs in that industry. Um, and then moved over here to AERA about three years ago and been loving it. Love helping people. That's our big thing is helping engine builders. And, uh, actually I think Chuck, you kind of mentioned, uh, Brian to us and that's how we found him. Right. Yeah. The networking in the community or of our industry, uh, you know, everybody seems, you know, they've got each other's back and they're always looking to to make sure that it's a hard industry to leave. And uh, so we're glad that we have people telling us about opportunities with folks. And uh, Brian, glad to have you on board. Absolutely. It, it's a great industry, uh, as I think we all agree. This is a great industry and uh, we enjoy it. And it's really not a job for us as, as much as it is just coming to work and having fun and getting things done. I mean, that's, that's, what's just nice about this industry. For sure. A lot of friends, a lot of friends. So we might as well just jump into it here. Uh, kind of understanding fasteners in today's engines is our topic today. Chuck, I'll kind of start with you and what is torque? All right. So torque by definition is the force needed to create rotation. Uh, it's greatly impacted by friction when we talk about fasteners. Uh, torque's used as a term for, you know, how much power an engine can produce. But, you know, when we're seeing how much energy it takes to rotate a fastener, then we use our gauge, our benchmark would be your torque wrench typically. Uh, as fasteners have evolved and we need to know more about that 
bolted joint, uh, we've changed some things up. So we have, you know, torque plus angle, uh, torque to yield. And uh, so we'll, we'll dive deeper into some of those uh, components of the discussion as we go along here. Chuck, you had mentioned a torque wrench, torque wrench and it kind of uh, popped a question into my head is, you know, guys use these torque wrenches every day. Um, some may get them calibrated, some may not. How often should somebody get a, a torque wrench calibrated and how important is it? It's very important because you know, everything wears out. Like in when we've talked about in previous podcasts about maintaining equipment. So that torque wrench probably doesn't go out of spec immediately unless you drop it and then you need to have it tested right away. But they should be on some scheduled regimen. So am I a fairly low usage shop? You know, I have it on a year, maybe have it every six months. I know some facilities that have uh, test equipment just to audit in their in their shop area so that if anything happens, you know, you drop it, you, you bang it against something, you can go and quickly check it. And even at that, you still should have it sent out because there's wear items, especially if you use click type wrenches, they got a little block and a spring, uh, that, that little snap that you get is that block tilting and that can wear out and get kind of a radius on the edge. So it doesn't react properly. The springs can wear, uh, you know, leaving it cranked to a certain specification can impact the spring. Uh, so you need to get it checked out for, for those type of uh, concerns. And plus, they get contaminants in there and you get take it apart, clean it, reassemble it, test it. Uh, you know, you do that with your micrometers and so forth. And it's a very important tool. Yeah, Chuck, it really wasn't on our topics to talk about here, but I'm glad you brought it up because it is important when you're using that torque wrench as a tool to tighten those fasteners. Absolutely. All right, Brian, one thing that we got here on our punch list here is thread lubrication. Um, how important is that when you're tightening these fasteners? Absolutely critical. Um, there's a scientific pr principle called coefficient of friction. and Won't go into that in any kind of detail and bore the hell out of everybody. But um, basically, the higher that friction, the less clamp load you achieve. So lubrication helps the threads interact with one another and reduces that friction that's inside there, also underneath the head of the bolt as well. Um, so lubrication can be anything from typical engine oil to specific manufacturer's recommended uh, lube uh, it's just absolutely critical that you lubricate the threads lubricate underneath the head of the bolt to reduce that coefficient of friction because gasket sealing on the head gasket especially is all about clamp load the more clamp load you have the more success you have for a seal uh, the more friction that you have either from lack of lubrication or poor thread quality or dirty threads increases friction, reduces clamp load. Lack of clamp load leads to leaks. So absolutely critical. <clears throat> so if you don't have a documentation of what lubrication to use, is there a, a safe default? 
default usually is whatever engine oil is in that engine, you know, use that as the default. But if the manufacturer has a specific lubrication they recommend, that's what you should follow. Right. I've actually seen in some instances where they have like motor oil on threads and some kind of grease between the washer surfaces. Uh, yeah, it varies. But if you don't know for sure or it's not provided with any kind of specification, engine oil will do the job. Great point. And I think you mentioned it also, Brian, but quality cleanliness of those threads is important as well. Yes. Uh, in my career in the gasket world, you know, I've visited a few shops who didn't really take the time to do the clean the threads of the bolts or in the block. And, you know, just, you can mention it to them. It's up to them to do it. Uh, but it could be a problem. You know, you, you just increasing friction and you're reducing your clamp load. And it's a simple, usually not too long of a process to make sure that you have a clean, good thread without any burrs or any kind of uh, chips or anything that are going to increase the friction. Yeah, I don't know that we actually had this specified to, to work on as a topic, but in preparation of those threads, uh, we probably should caution people that a tap is not the ideal thing to rerun through threads. There are th thread chasers, brushes, uh, but you probably there is a percentage of thread engagement and if you retap threaded holes you don't know where the old tap was because they have a tolerance on their manufacturing as well so uh just to throw that in there that yeah we need to good make point. sure we got good threads but uh don't retap the threads chase them with a specified uh thread preparation type of tool and again they're out there a lot of companies sell those specifically they'll say chasers or conditioners Good point, Chuck. Uh, like you said, it wasn't on topic, but that's a very good point to bring up. So, Brian, uh, something that we see in a lot of specifications now is a torque plus angle. Uh, why torque plus angle? Well, torque plus angle is, in general terms, used to have a more even clamp load across the surface going straight from a torque value say 75 foot pounds versus starting out at a lower foot pound rating of like 15 and then using the angle to uh, come around in the rotation when you look at the test data when that occurs you get a more uniform clamp load across the surface of the gasket um, Whereas a torque to just a regular torque value could have spikes here or there on the clamping load surface. And that could be just the way the person's torquing it. You know, it takes some of that human error out of the equation. Right. So angle is always angle. 90 degrees yes. is 90 degrees. But if you have some underhead friction, you had thread friction that you can't really speak to a value for that then mm -hmm. yeah, it's, there's going to be more variability in torque uh, as opposed to torque plus angle. So is Correct. torque torque plus turn always 
torque to yield or is torque plus angle always torque to yield? No. Torque to angle. If you look at the progression, it was, you know, torque, then torque plus angle, then torque to yield. So just because it has a torque value plus an, a degree of rotation doesn't mean it's a torque to yield bolt. Chances are good nowadays that that's true, but it's not always true. So you, you can't just see a torque value plus a rotation degree and assume that it's a torque to yield bolt. Right. Yeah. I've seen oil pan bolts, uh, valve cover bolts, timing cover bolts that have a, a snug torque value plus a degree of rotation. It's not a dynamic fastener. So I'm sure they don't, they're not, it's not about torque to yield. It's just, no, it's about even clamp load. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Great point. Which brings up another point. Um, kind of what is elasticity? Well, that's... And I'll, I'll throw it out to both you guys, really. Oh, go ahead, Chuck. All right, so <clears throat> elasticity is actually the ability to return to a shape. So a lot of our shapes are round, so the elasticity in our underwear makes sure that they don't fall off. But if we talk about <laughs> a... We are talking about a, a fastener. Um, <clears throat> it's the ability of, of that fastener to return to a specified dimension and it's a or it could be any any device if we talk about elasticity a valve spring for instance it has to be able to return back to its original form shape height whatever call out you want to give it correct so that being said what is deformation that's the difference between the original form as it's, let's say a bolt is stretching, it's deforming. So think of it like a spring almost. As you torque up on the bolt, it stretches. And if it's not reached like a yield point in a torque to yield bolt, when you unload it, it should return back to its prior shape, form, height, length, whatever it is that we talk about in elasticity. But as you're stretching the bolt, you're deforming it. So that that would be that proof number that you sometimes see uh, if you turn it to 15 foot-pounds. Let's just throw that out there. So once you tighten that bolt to 15 foot-pounds, um, then it should go back to the original shape. It has not deformed. Uh, so... What is permanent plastic deformation? You hear that in in terms when we talk about torque to yield bolts. Uh, what is permanent deformation or plastic deformation as opposed to uh, a fastener that's seen that proof load? Sure. Well, the permanent deformation is basically once you have stretched that bolt, it gets into a zone of where the bolt will no longer return back to its original shape or height, form, whatever it is that you're going to document there. Um, but basically the bolt has gone beyond that point of elasticity and now it has a permanent deformation, whether it's length, whatever it is. It has changed now and it will not return back to its original. 
when a fastener's in plat permanent deformation, is it still able to apply clamp load? Yes. Yes. It, when it hits that zone, um, it is still, whatever the clamp load that you're looking to achieve, it's hit that clamp load and it will stay there as long as you don't untorque it and, you know, back it off. But when you do that, you know, obviously you lose your clamp load, but that bolt itself is not going to change. It will continue to be, if it's stretched, you know, five thousandths, it's going to stay at that five thousandths extra length. But it still has that dynamic ability to cycle or just yes, it, act, it can, act like a it rubber can, band. Yes, it can be act like a spring, should, per se. Okay. You know, as the as the engine is cycling and firing, it is stretching with it. If that, if, for lack of a better term, it's stretching with it and following that cylinder head, kind of like an MLS head gasket primary sealing bead. It's loading and unloading and following the casting as it's moving. So it's actually, yeah, it's stretching and, and, and pulling it back into home to home as well. Correct. So yeah, that can be mm -hmm. the confusing part because when you think about something that's plastic, if it's got plastic deformation, that it's lost that ability to, to act like that spring. So, so what do we call it? when that bolt's gone beyond that phase? Uh, that would probably be the ultimate yield where the bolt has now reached the point metallurgically where it is weakened to the point to where it's going to fracture. Um, if everybody remembers the old 1.9 liter Ford Escorts back in the day. Right. Some, some, <laughs> some of the first torque to yield bolts. Yeah. Those those would fracture. They would those would hit their yield point and fracture during engine run. You know when it's running. You know. <clears throat> but sometimes that that permanent yield is actually the thing just acts like taffy. The load just falls off. But you could keep turning and tightening the bolt, but you're just not applying force, right? Right, because it the bolt has lost its ability to provide a clamp load it's just stretching it's not doing anything to clamp onto the gasket anymore and then it reaches a point where it can't really stretch anymore the metallurgy says i'm done snap it, it pops yeah sometimes i think that's where that confusion is about permanent plastic deformation so so um how do i identify a torque to yield fastener it's a good question. It's, it's kind of a challenge. I mean, some of those features, when you look at a bolt, you could see like a neck down shank. Um, that area um, was designed so that when you torque the bolt, it thins out. The shank will thin out in that area. And then whatever that diameter is will be less in, in the area where it uh, deformed, I should say. And but that's not always the case. So trying to identify a torque to yield bolt these days is a little bit of a challenge. I mean, the manufacturing processes that they use to make these torque to yield bolts, I'm sure they're changing constantly as they're doing more testing. Um, but 
on almost any engine you have today, I would say that if you're looking at a head bolt and it has a torque plus an angle value on it, it's most likely a torque to yield bolt. And you should only use that bolt one time unless you have a specific situation where the manufacturer provides a measured length of the bolt. So if the bolt is, you know, X when it's new, when you use it, it goes to Y and then they have a range that'll go to say Z. And as, as you take the bolt out and you think, and should I reuse this? They give you a value to measure the length of that bolt. And if it's beyond that length, then you have to get new bolts. There's no reusing it past that point. It's, it's either at or near its yield point when it reaches that length. And if you reuse it, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, that said, that's probably a good reason to, uh, to, to err on the side of caution and replace them anyway. But as you mentioned, like Cummins, they've got that little gauge I've seen that shows not mm-hmm. only stretch, but it has like the threads cut out. And if that little thread gauge doesn't match the rolled threads in the fastener, yeah. then so it's looking at a couple of things, the, the overall length and then the condition of the thread. So pretty interesting yeah. topic. Yeah, definitely. Good point. Hey, Brian, so is, there's really no way to look at the head of the bolt or any identifiers on the bolt to let you know that that is a torque yield bolt? Not that I'm aware of. If if there are and anybody out there knows, that would be great information. That Yes, it would be because <laughs> we get that question a lot on the tech line. Guys will call up, hey, do I need to replace these bolts or, mm-hmm. you know, should I replace them? Well, should, Yes. Um, but do you absolutely have to? That's one of the questions that, you know, like Chuck said, error, error uh, on the side of just replacing them is probably your best bet. Yeah. Head bolts, I wouldn't even mess around with it. Yeah. It's too critical. Agreed. Uh, so. Which gets us. Oh, go ahead, Chuck. Oh, don't go ahead, Steve. Which gets us to a point of <clears throat> kind of reusing these bolts you know is there a way you can test those fasteners to reuse them or i think we've kind of talked about it a little bit already and you know obviously erring on the side of just replacing them is the best but is there a procedure or you know you're from the gasket industry how did you guys test them well we tested them with uh, machines in our static lab Um, they're basically testing the tensile strength of the bolt So they put it in a fixture and they'd stretch that bolt and it would create a chart or a graph and you'd see as the load is increased on the bolt and the tensile strength is increasing, it would reach its yield point and then that would just flatten off. So it wouldn't climb up in value anymore. It would just flatten off. And then if you go beyond that, it would actually break the bolt. So that's how we would look at the bolts, let's say from competitor A, B, or C, and we would compare those and see which one is getting the most clamp load in that yield area, or does an actual bolt have a lower yield area, and do our comparisons that way. We'd also do uh, cycle testing, so you'd have these duty cycles of millions of cycles where the it's simulating the head lifting up and down as the engine's firing. And as that whole joint is clamped together, it would be measuring that head lift and that's that firing. 
and then that would be mainly for testing the head gasket joint on the head gasket itself but you also have the fastener in there as well that you're monitoring so did extensive testing that we did load cell testing just clamping up experimenting with different uh, lubricants different styles of thread quality dirty threads all that kind of stuff and you'd see a direct correlation in a dirty thread versus a clean thread a lubricated thread versus a non-lubricated thread and it gives you a good idea of just how important good quality clean threads with lubrication how important that is to the success of a head gasket sealing joint basically so speaking of the lab environment and all those tests that you did so mm -hmm. where does okay torque these bolts to a specific value and then back them off two turns and then restart your tightening procedure kind of where does that come from what is the purpose of that um basically what you're doing when you're tightening up and then loosening is you're just kind of uh introducing the pre uh, how do i explain this uh basically you have some irregularities in the surface of the under the head of the flange of the bolt or the washer for the bolt and you tighten it up and you take that friction or irregularities out of the equation you just you torque that up and then that removes you know does that friction and all that removes it now that it's got a smooth rotational surface to work with you back off and then you come back and you do your final torque to whatever your specified uh, degree of rotation is and provides you with a more uh lack of it's better like a word robust prep. yeah kind of like a surface prep yeah you know? a little bit of a lapping and, or something of that nature yeah lapping's mm -hmm. a good analogy for that yeah and then you have the most clamp load you can achieve with that particular bolt in that lube that's a good explanation of that brian because i think a lot of guys um Maybe they do understand that, but I think there's more that probably don't understand what that um, first couple of steps are when torquing that and then loosening that bolt. What They probably think they're really doing something to the bolt more than they are, um, like you guys said, lapping that bolt and washer in mm -hmm. uh, to make sure you get the proper torque. Yeah. I know it's kind of like splitting hairs a little bit, but every little bit of extra clamp load you can get is what you should go for no leaks we don't want leaks no, no we do right not. <clears throat> i would just interject that as we started out using the right lubrication because if you go with the coefficient of friction okay i'm going to use camshaft lube because i've got a lot of it and i put it in in the threads and in the fastener area uh or on under the washer area of the fastener you can bust castings uh, if the bolt has enough strength now torque to yield maybe not as likely as a, a non-torque to yield faster but you can break castings if you if you reduce that friction too much and then generate too much force on the joint excellent uh, point one of the other that's not good either <laughs> right 
that would be a leak. <laughs> that would be a big leak. <laughs> going, going back to another term that you used was uh, duty cycle. So that's not something we typically measure in the automotive machine shop. How do so? What are what does that reference really mean? Uh, like how, in the gasket world, you know, it's spe talking specifically in the gasket world, um, which is outside of you know our members, you know, world. We're looking at like how many times is that engine fire, or is, it, is that head lifting? That's a to us that's a duty cycle. So, so it's not a crankshaft rotation. It's it's a combustion. No, event. I had to lift. Uh, exactly, combustion event. Yes. Every time that engine yeah. fires, that head lifts. The bolt stretches. The head lifts. The bolt stretches. You know. And there's some intense, long testing of these bolts. How many cycles would that be on average, Brian? For OEs, it's millions of cycles. I mean, the OEs test things to the nth degree, and which is good. They should, mm -hmm. you know, but it's millions upon millions of cycles, long-term testing. I mean, talking weeks, months of continuous cycling. So that's another reason why, okay, you're probably not going to want to use a fastener over because you don't know where that cycle life is. Even if, Again, we do know that some Cummins and Volvo and, and Mercedes, have they have some documentation and some tools. But by and large, hey, if I've got a 1.4 Chevy Cruze, the engine's probably, you know, a $4,000 engine for a $3,000 car. And, okay, I'm going to probably, do I risk using this bolt over? Uh, you don't know where that's when I got that blown head gasket. If was that thing at 200 cycles, 2 million cycles, 20 million cycles, I think you don't risk it and you get the new set of head bolts. No, it, I mean, I know that head bolt kits are expensive in general and replacing that stuff adds up, but to me, that's cheap insurance for a repair shop or a machine shop to know that all of that effort that was put into making that engine uh, basically like it was new or better um, is thrown out the window if you cheap out with not wanting to replace those bolts and you end up having a head gasket failure and it overheats, it warps everything, you start all over, you know, and it's just not worth it. It's a good point, Brian. You can, you can spend $500 on bolts now. <clears throat> and not have a failure compared to, I'm gonna reuse these bolts, say $500, and it costs you 5,000. Uh, on a new engine, labor to pull it, labor to install it, all kinds of things, so. Yep, and your so reputation. Hey, exactly. You know, that's that's invaluable. Right, and if you built a complete engine for the guy yourself, you may be on the hook for things like all of his coolant lubricants again, is, did you put the mm -hmm. guy in a rental car? Because if that's someone's livelihood, so yeah, how, much, downtime. How, much, how much ownership do you take? So it's a pretty risky proposition. Yeah. Risk versus reward, right? Everything. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> if it's torque to yield, just replace it. It's just not worth it. Yeah, definitely not worth the hassle.
Well, good information, Brian. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us today to talk about these fasteners in today's engines. Uh, learned a lot today, uh, as I do, as uh, I think a lot of people did, just learning about these fasteners being used in today's engines and how important they are. And kind of like you said, you know, if it's torque to yield, just replace it. That's going to be your best bet. Definitely. Yeah, great to have you a part of the team and and to rely on you to come on and do things like this. Uh, just Not uh, a problem. Just shows what value we have here with the uh, AERA tech crew. You'll definitely be on again, as will all our other techs. So. <laughs> That's okay. I enjoyed being on it. Thanks for having me. Speaking of having our techs on, um, our next upcoming podcast uh, issue, we are going to discuss diesel engines with AERA senior tech Dave Hagen. Dave's been with AERA for over 30 years, kind of specializes in diesel engines. So we're going to get Dave on. Uh, not sure what the topic's going to be yet, but we are definitely going to be talking about some diesel engines. And Dave's pioneered a lot of uh, the stuff that's offered, right? He's probably he oh, entered the first absolutely. spec, did the first TB <laughs> or the shop service bulletin. <laughs> Not that old, Chuck. Hasn't been here that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows Moses. <laughs> but Dave has been here a long time, as has a lot of our staff members, and uh, glad to have him on. And uh, he'll he'll be good to talk about those diesel engines and and shed some some valuable information about them. Uh, in closing, here. Um, Please check out our social media outlets. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We do run some contests related to our podcasts, so be on the lookout for that on some of our uh, social media outlets where you can win a, or a podcast T-shirt. Um, so be on the lookout for those, as well as you can sign up to subscribe to our podcast as we are on your favorite podcast listening platforms. All you need to do is search AERA Engine Professional Podcast, and you can listen to some of our previous episodes, as well as uh, stay up to date on when our episodes will be coming out. Uh, anything you'd like to add in closing, Chuck? Yeah, I think let's let's throw in there that uh, we are working on our YouTube channel to get all of our webinars that have been previously recorded, uh, as and on our go forward basis. Any webinar that we're doing, uh, we've got a new YouTube channel. And if you're on our homepage, if you're on uh, Prosys or any of our outreaches, there's, you know, some place where you can get into the tech links and uh, click on that YouTube tab. That's probably the easiest way to get there. Uh, if you are just cruising around on your favorite browser uh, and you go to YouTube, you definitely want to do AERA engine professionals uh, because uh, there are a few others out there. AERA. So uh, make sure that you add some engine stuff in there and you will find it. Automotive Engine Rebuilders Association. Good point, Chuck. And as well as any of our listeners who are not members who would like more information about AERA, please visit our website at www.aera.org. You'll find the membership tab there. You can find all the information about membership uh, or feel free to reach out to us and we will be happy to answer any questions that you got. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Brian Roberts, for being on with us. Um, 
It was good to have you on, Brian. Appreciate you taking the time to be with us again. My pleasure. It was great. Thank you very much. Chuck, this brings another episode to an end. What started out as, as a little discussion between all of us has turned into something pretty good, I think, uh, just educating the engine building industry. Absolutely. Uh, I took a call last week. A young gentleman interested in uh, expanding where he's at in the industry. So that's what we're wanting to do. Uh, promote us, promote our industry. Uh, and getting that kind of feedback, uh, it's promising and that we're on the right topics and uh, sharing the right message. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, Till next time, everybody keep building those engines. Please sign up for our podcast. And if you're looking for any information on AERA, again, visit our website at www.aera.org. Chuck, till next time. Till next time, brother.